podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. You're back to the pod. Thanks for joining us. We're here to deliver for you today. You want to guess where I'm at? I'm at the boss man's kitchen table. That's right. Well, boss man's out on a mini family vacation. I'm here babysitting his cat. This is no ordinary cat. Moxie the cat was the source of our very first business idea, and that was designing cool-looking furniture for him. You know, he's really gotten a big head about it. It's been a really uh, fun weekend, and right before Ian took off, we got a chance to reflect on this year's DC Austin 2019. It's just so awesome that we get to meet so many of you listeners and get critical feedback on the ideas on the show, but also to get to see these trends, the strategies you're employing, the unique approaches you're taking to business. We get to see it in the flesh and on the ground before it happens on the internet, so to speak. We absolutely love that aspect of doing this thing. So in this week's show, Ian and I are going to share some of those key insights from our recent event in Austin, Texas, and hopefully they can inspire you to grow a better business in 2019. But first, I just want to say I was recently listening to Shana Oliveira's excellent podcast called Entrepreneurs in Motion. And so many of you know Shana from the interviews she's done on this pod. In fact, she's been one of our most popular guests. Her communication style is excellent, honed over years of teaching people how to speak English. And when I listen to her pod, I always feel like I walk away with something valuable. And so I thought it would be cool since she did a recent episode about her experience at our Austin event where she brought her beautiful new baby and she gave a few amazing talks. I thought she pretty much did it better than we could. So as a bonus and a big hat tip to Shana, We're going to run her episode straight after our bumper music. So hang around for that. The four insights that we had this year at DC Austin, we hope you find them insightful. All right, Ian, the first one, let me put in a little context. Typically, after these events, we come on the show and we're so proud of what our fellow entrepreneurs, our friends have accomplished. We come on here and we're like, man, everybody's just crushing it. That was true of this year's event as well. But there's another category that I can relate to even more personally, and I'll call it the six-figure stall or the six-figure slump. Let me try to describe it to you. So often we talk about this first three years or first thousand days of transitioning from having a job to becoming an entrepreneur. And it's so tough. You know, you're having to pay other people more than you pay yourself, and you don't know if you're going to make it, and clients aren't paying you on time. And it's really, really challenging even just to replace what you made as a corporate warrior or as a day to day punch in the time clock. But we all know the benefits, right? You can do it from anywhere in the world. So can your team take Wednesday afternoons off to take a jog or go to the dentist without your boss harassing you. But you often find ourselves in this six-figure slump, which is that, look, the things that got you from J-O-B to Wednesday afternoons at the dentist are not the things that are going to get you from, you know, I make six figures off of this internet website that I built to I own a seven-figure company that a general manager runs or I run with a team and I get paid six figures from that. Yeah. Ideally, multiple six figures. It's this six figure slump that I'm seeing a lot of people get into. And I'm wondering, did you see this in the room, the difficulty of getting from that six to seven figure transition? Yeah. And I don't think it's all bad, Dan, to be making six figures, to have a six figure business, rather, not necessarily personally making six figures. It should be celebrated as an accomplishment to get there. 
The question is, do you want to get to the next level? Do you want to get yourself to the point where you have a seven-figure business? And I think a lot of people, they want to get themselves to a certain income level. And so what we see happening is that these people start multiple businesses. It's like, this business only made it to this level in six figures. I've got to start two or three more to get myself to the point where I'm actually making the kind of income that I want to make. That's one thing. Or that the business is taking up enough of my time and attention that I feel fulfilled in that way. I think that that's another factor. Some of it is that we're not picking niches. We're not picking opportunities that are big enough. I think some of it is just, hey, this is my first try. I picked something. It made it to mid six figures. This wasn't enough. I don't want to get rid of it. I don't want to sell it with the Empire Flippers yet because it's good income. I want to keep it going. And I also want to start something else. So I think there's many different reasons why people end up having multiple six-figure businesses. But I do think in a lot of ways that it can be a bit of a problem. Let me try some out on you. I'm going to run some reasons why the six-figure slump occurs. The first is comfort. People get comfortable. Building from six to seven, just like the J-O-B to the six-figure business, requires a self-reinvention. It requires a lot of hard work. It requires a lot of difficult conversations, conflict, challenges. A telephone. A telephone. Heaven forbid you'd have to pick up the blower. This is challenging, and a lot of times you're making six figures. Life's good. Why am I going to do this? So that comforts one. One is focus. If you're trying to get a business over the hump, you got to put all your eggs in a basket and bet on it and take a risk. And so I think there's a difficulty in taking that risk when, again, you're paying the bills, things are good, and I'm at the hire more people, take profitability away. There's a lot of power in putting your eggs in one basket, choosing a strategic winner and saying, like, this is the business that has the potential. I'm going to double down and put all my energy into it. You know, this is a very powerful thing to do if you want to get to seven figures. And it's also can be a really scary thing to do. To get to seven figures, we actually had multiple businesses. But here's what I want to point out. They all had the same process. So we were manufacturing products. We had three different niches within manufacturing. But every time we went to manufacture a product, every time we went to sell a product, it was all the same process. Yeah. So I would split hairs with you and say, that's not really having different businesses. That's having different brands. I think you're right. It is different brands. But a couple of those brands initially, we found out very quickly, they didn't have the capabilities to get to seven figures. What we did was we basically didn't pay as much attention to them. Yeah, we relegated them. And then we started to pay more attention to the brands that we knew could make it to seven figures and ultimately did make it to seven figures. I don't think this is like the easiest thing in the world, Dan, to like pick winners right out of the gate. But when you do identify something that is working, focus on it. I struggle between what is the core skill set you need to address here? Because I sometimes I worry when entrepreneurs blame themselves too much in this process. Like the products that you put out there into the world will have a lot to do as to whether you get to this seven figure business. As an example, I see a lot of entrepreneurs struggling with small marketing services firms. It's interesting because they blame themselves. Like if I was more productive, if I managed my staff better or whatever, I would have that seven figure business. And I'm like, Man, that is the hardest business to run in the world. Like, you have to be an awesome entrepreneur. You have to go to every freaking self improvement conference there is in order to run a multiple seven figure marketing services agency. You know what I mean? Like, you're making it hard on yourself. Like, in my case, I would prefer to choose a product business or a more productized service that is much more scalable and doesn't require me to be a superhero every day of the week, if that makes sense. So, on the one hand, you can put a lot of emphasis on choosing the right battles. On the other hand, there is legitimate skill set involved in getting over the six-figure slump. And one of the key areas, I think, is leadership and vision. I think entrepreneurs that are making a good living, they understand a skill set on the internet, whether it be like SEO or content, or they're just really good at what they do. They really undervalue what it means to run a business, what it means to be a leader. And how you set the vision, how you set the tone, how you hire people, bring people into a vision and motivate them on its behalf. These are the sorts of things you're doing as you move into the seven-figure 
territory. Some people might say, oh, that's just correlated with having more money around. Sometimes it is, but most of the time, it's actually being able to motivate people on behalf of the vision that's going to allow you to develop the capacity to even bill seven figures a year. I think there's two things that we're talking about. One is, have you picked a market that's big enough? Or like you said, are some of these services-based businesses capable of making seven figures? Yes. Is it the hardest thing in the world to do? Yes. You know, what are your odds? Number one. And number two, are you up to the challenge personally? A lot of people that I meet that have six-figure businesses, I think that they probably want seven-figure businesses so they can say that. Maybe it actually isn't that meaningful to them, but it's like one of the things that their peers are striving for. Maybe they want to buy a boat. Yeah. Maybe they want to buy a boat, but they actually don't want to interact with the team. They actually don't want to pick up the phone. And honestly, Dan, I think that that's fine. But just be honest with yourself about that. Like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm not the kind of person that likes to be responsible for other people's incomes. I'd just prefer to focus on my own. There's another thing that as as an old timer, I'm I feel tempted to say, Ian, is that a lot of times these people just don't have the relevant experience. So yeah, it makes sense that you had like a career where you had a certain skill set. And then you went out and over the course of three years or a thousand days, you recreated it independently. And now you get paid roughly the same amount. But the experience and mindset of actually running an organization is invaluable. We talk about this thing called exit velocity, Ian. I truly believe that you know because of podcasts like this and all the resources available on the internet, sometimes people jump into the entrepreneurial world too soon before they have enough relevant experience apprenticing for people doing the sorts of things they would like to do and really feeling what it feels like to manage people and to run a company. You really ought to do that before you run your own. I mean, in an ideal case. Now, there's a way to get around it, which is don't pick a business model that requires you to be a great entrepreneur. It's sort of a weird thing to say, but I think it's true. Like, There's certain businesses that you really need to have a lot of experience to run successfully. And I'm thinking specifically of services. And in fact, I'd be curious if anybody in the audience has gotten through this six-figure slump and you have a perspective on it, drop us a voicemail, tropicalmba.com slash voicemail. I want to hear your thoughts on this topic. Any parting shots, Ian? I'd say the other thing to consider, if you don't feel like you're good at hiring and managing people, if you've never done it before in your career, but you found yourself in a situation where you have a business that if it's going to grow, which is I've seen very few businesses that are seven-figure businesses that are only one person. Very few. If you're going to grow that you need to bring other people on, one of the hacks that we've done over the years, Dan, is to hire highly motivated young people. There are people in the world, no matter where you're at, that think what you're doing and where you're at as a small business owner, as an internet entrepreneur, is super cool. And they would love to learn from you. So find those people because they're out there. Figure out a way to get them on your team because they will be self-motivated. I think a lot of people think about hiring and they think like, oh, how am I going to keep this person motivated? How am I going to keep this person accountable? Oh my gosh, it's just so hard. There are people that will make it very easy on you because they want to be where you are at. And it can be your job for several years or several months to show them your business, where you're at, how you got there, and they will be totally ecstatic about it. Yeah, so long as your sharing sessions aren't all about the SOP that you wrote up for them, you know? You got to share what motivates you. And we dug into that a few episodes ago. You know, we were talking with Chris Cage, founder of Green Belly Meals, and I just asked him the question, hey, man, like, why do you work so hard on this? Like, you really got to dig into that. And I think that that's a quality of leadership, you know? And sharing that with people is part of leadership. And everybody has that potential. If you want to look good, today's sponsor is for you. Today's show is sponsored by Carl Friedrich. We know when you're out and about and traveling, you need a bag that looks great and elegant, but is also highly functional. One you can take on a plane, to a business meeting, to the gym, and drinks after. Carl Friedrich has an amazing range of stunning leather bags designed specifically for this purpose. They got backpacks, weekend bags, and classic briefcases and handbags, all with a contemporary sleek design that is Carl Friedrich's trademark. 
They're ideal for carrying essentials like a 15-inch laptop, notebooks, documents, clothes, and so much more. They also come with shoulder and integrated leather straps for maximum flexibility. Carl Friedrich uses the finest vegetable tanned vachetta leather, and all the bags are handmade in Italy. You gotta look at these things. They're so elegant. Whether you prefer briefcases or backpacks and the matching tech cases and wallet, Carl Friedrich has you covered and will have you looking elegant. Have a look at their website today, carlfriedrich.com, and a big thanks for sponsoring the show. So the first insight we had is this six-figure slump that so many entrepreneurs find themselves in, some for positive reasons. Sometimes it's the six-figure booyah. It's not all a slump, right? Sure. Sometimes it's, it's great. Sometimes people are stuck there and they're trying to get out. And so that's an interesting theme. The second insight we had is these events as a, sort of a canary in the coal mine and as a Petri dish. I remember when you first started getting whiffs of people making money on Amazon, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, man, this is going to be a big thing. And then sure enough, three or four years later, there's eight figure acquisitions going on. Dan, do you watch these videos on YouTube? I probably shouldn't out myself. You shouldn't. Teaching you like how to break in the safes and locks and like how to break through different pieces of software. I feel like that's a bit of what goes on at these conferences. We're not actually breaking into safes, but we are breaking into new territories, so to speak. When I go to these conferences, it's really fun to see because it feels like a lot of these things, like you said, are canary in the coal mine, aka on the cutting edge on the bleeding edge of what's going on on the internet. Whenever I look at a successful business, there's almost always something new about it, like an edge, a tidal wave. It's often married with something old. You know, So you look at Revision Legal, for example. They're taking something old, which is legal expertise, and they're matching it with something new, which is focused on cutting-edge, location-independent businesses that have remote teams and such. In order to you know, have that successful business conception, then you need to see it. Like You need to see what's happening. I'm always fascinated by the lag of what people are doing and how the media or social media portrays it. And there's always this kind of month or year, multi-year lag of people actually like expressing what's going on versus like seeing it on the ground. You know, I always come to these events sort of like poking around. We've seen multiple opportunities and waves go through the year. You know, we've seen the Amazon thing. We've seen, we could just go through the years and we have done in some articles over at Tropical MBA, like what these trends are. One of the things I noticed at this year's DC Austin event is that I didn't see a lot of trendy businesses. There could be a lot of reasons for like that, like a selection bias, like perhaps people that, you know, expatriates are more likely to do like trendy cutting edge sort of stuff. So a lot of our events, Ian, are you know, frequented by Americans who live overseas. So maybe that's like a selection bias. One of the things that stands out for me is like the dominant trend is still sort of like this portfolio idea. So a lot more entrepreneurs like running a portfolio of businesses as opposed to like wearing the t-shirt and, you know, being the founder, co-founder of their one thing. And that's related to the other trend I'm seeing, which is lots of talk of like M&A, mergers and acquisitions, high-level investorship partnerships, buying and selling businesses. It seems like when we started all these events back in 2011, we were all sort of like, what the hell are we all doing here? Like, How are we making this work? And in 2019, it's sort of like, okay, you guys are building and owning the assets that are really hot right now. These are high-growth investments. And so now the outside world is getting interested. And that's really changed the whole game because there's this whole other path to making money now in the internet business space, which is you know, getting investors, selling your business, getting strategic partnerships, et cetera. So that to me, it really feels like one of the bigger trends and opportunities in the space right now. Yeah. And it's pretty clear on, on the internet too, Dan. I mean, it doesn't happen immediately. And you're, if you're not kind of in the mix of it, when you look up, it's already happening. As soon as VC started to come and be interested in bootstrap businesses, it was like, oh, okay, you know, these guys can't figure out where a better place is to put their money or this is a good opportunity for them. Yep, this is definitely a good opportunity. One other trend I'll point out is 
these businesses are often family affairs, which is kind of cool. You know, you think of a traditional business conference and two spouses are together in like separate industries. And so one spouse flies off to the conference. It's often the case at our conferences that whole families come together. We had some babies this year too. I know. And this is great marketing. We're bringing in the next generation of customers into the business already. I like this. (laughs) It is an ongoing thing for everybody is figuring out, you know, how your business and personal life are going to play together and what role your partner is going to play in your business as well. I think these are really interesting questions that we're all grappling with. Yeah, we had a couple families, a set of brothers. It was very cool to see how it shakes down for people and and their different ideas about like how a business should be run and who should be involved. And, you know, Dan, I'm seeing a lot of people bring in their significant others into the business after they've been started too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm strong enough to do that. (laughs) We'll see. It does definitely seem like it brings in some challenges, but I also like those couples seem to bond around it. It seems to be like a fun project for them. Like now I kind of get it why like Tony at the Italian restaurant (laughs) has like his wife like there cooking pizzas with him. It's like, it's kind of a fun thing to do together. I think the zeitgeist for all the entrepreneurs in the audience today, maybe you can agree like the zeitgeist in the mainstream is flipping a little bit where I think, you know, whereas like five years ago, people would be like, you're an insane lunatic for what you're doing. And I just wish you would get back to being a normal, responsible person. And now people are starting to look at people growing location-independent businesses saying, maybe uh, I'd like to be a part of that. Or, you know, how about you take my son, you know, your nephew along to the event with you and get him exposed to this world because he's in college. It's not really working out for him or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of parental facilitation of people, you know, taking a college degree less seriously, whether that's not minding that they dropped out of college, which is something I can't even imagine in my generation. Like if I would have dropped out of college, it would have just been game over, you know, like, but I'm seeing like responsible, engaged families say, you know what, you should go spend a few years working with your cousin at their internet business, because that seems like something worth doing. And of course we agree with that. It's fascinating to see sort of the mainstream starting to get into that. And I'm, I'm seeing whiffs of that at these events where it does seem like, you know, people are bringing in friends and family. And then I think that that's a cool trend. Alrighty, and two more insights from the event. One is the power of community and uh, the rare and valuable conversations that happen in that community context. There's something magical about coming to these events, and it's hard sometimes to describe afterwards. But there's a kind of uh, intimacy that happens when you're all sort of in the room under the premise of we're all facing similar challenges. We're going to be open about it, and we're going to try to help each other out. And so it doesn't take very long to get to the core of what that person cares about. It's one of these things, Dan, I think some of it might be generational. Some of it just might be that these events bring the best out in people, I hope. But there's no shortage of like walking up to people and be like, so what's your business? How much do you make? And what do you want to do with your life? People almost don't skip a beat these days. It's pretty cool. It's like, hey, you know, like, yeah, I'm making this amount of money. And like, you know, I'd really like to be here. I'd really like to do this for my family. Especially like as Americans, in a lot of ways, like we feel guilty about actually vocalizing like what we want for ourselves and it being okay to go get it. And then having a support group of people around you to help you achieve your goals. That's like super cool. And I think that a lot of people too in the DC realize that if you fulfill your customers' needs, if you fulfill the market needs, you will get what you want. So a lot of people, you know, talk in terms of like what their customers need. Then they also talk about what they want to achieve. And I've believed this for a long time, Dan. It's like, if you can fulfill what your customers need and want, you will ultimately get what you want out of life too. People are just very open at these conferences about the different things that they'd like to achieve in their life and in their businesses, specifically on the Mastermind Day. So typically the first day of our events is a mastermind. You sit down with five to seven other people at a table and you share for 20 minutes your biggest business challenge. Time and time again, I hear that. Like people get tons of value out of that. People stick with those people oftentimes for years, continuing those conversations. 
people track with those people. People start businesses and relationships with the people that were at their table. It's the basis for conversations for the rest of the weekend. So it's like, oh yeah, I was at the table with Jimmy. You should go talk to him. He makes bags. And then introductions are made. Certainly when I think the more valuable days out of the week is the masterminds. It's because people are willing to be vulnerable and share what they want. Our producer made a note here. One of the things she found valuable, she said, listening to and learning from people's experiences is way more valuable than any course. One memory I had, and I mean, I just had countless wonderful conversations, but one was, it was a sunny day. The conference was over for the day and there's this wonderful patio right outside the Sheridan and everybody you know, grabs a drink and we, we're sitting around under the umbrella. And it's just amazing, like the, the intimacy of people sharing what went right and what went wrong and what they're thinking about. And, uh, you know, different people know each other at different levels. And this is the way you really bring people in. You know? One of the things that in those sorts of conversations that has emerged is people sharing their failures. A lot of what I've noticed is that at the core of so many of our failures are when we did something for money or we became opportunists. This is a bit of a theme for me over the weekend is someone saying, oh, you know, I just thought it was a good business opportunity. And so, you know, they put a little resources into it, whether it's their time, their energy, put some money behind it or whatever. And often those stories end in failure. It makes me think of something I think about so often, Ian, is that I think the core of successful entrepreneurship really comes down to knowing the difference between value and money. You know, really looking to what's valuable. And so many of our failures, Ian, are when we did something because we thought we'd make money. Because of that, you know, we weren't all in emotionally. And because we weren't all in emotionally, we didn't see the, or feel the value there. And so we weren't able to understand our customers. And those things failed for us. I heard a lot of those stories over the weekend, people just going for money and failing. I think there's so much strategic value to having your soul in the game, your heart in the game, and really looking at value. Going after money, and then I'd say, Dan, the second place loser after that is following your ego. So I want this to exist. I think this should exist. The world needs this that kind of thing. And then when you launch it, when you're in it, not listening to the feedback, whether it be like, yeah, this is great. You were right. You're validated. Okay, cool. Now we can go forward. Or nah, this isn't really it. No one is enthusiastically pulling out their wallet. Maybe this isn't a good idea. And then continuing to push forward, continuing to burn money. Fantastic. Well, Ian, so many highlights. I hope one day every listener of this pod will join us at one of these events. There's a just a magic environment there. I always get so motivated, Ian. I have so many pages of notes I'm trying to prioritize and focus on the changes we're going to make. So many things to look forward to. Just a few I want to point out, Ian. We've got this goal of making 500 placements at Dynamite Jobs by October, which is DCBKK, our big event in October in Bangkok. That's an aggressive goal. We set it with our team in, in our team retreat like we talked about last week. I'm excited about that and our team growth. You know, both headcount. I imagine more folks working on the TMBA team, but also like that spiritual growth we experienced by all getting to know each other and be around each other and working more in unison. So those are just a couple of the things I'm excited about. And also, I just got to point out that this DC Austin event is one of 14 events that listeners of this podcast will attend this year. There are thousands of TMBA listeners meeting up in cities worldwide this year. If you want to know more information of that, hop over to the website, kick us an email. We'll let you know. But I got a list here, London event, Mexico. We got events in Asia, all through Europe in the summer, New York in the fall. Now, there's a lot going on below the pod here at the TMBA podcast. So check out the website if you've never done that before. Subscribe to the email too, because we're gonna we're gonna try some new email stuff. We're gonna try to make our emails a little bit more exciting in 2019. Yeah, and I think in general we do kind of a poor job of explaining everything that's going on. You certainly have to be a bit of an insider to show up to one of these events. I think that that's also a, a good thing because it creates a bit of a barrier. It's a good thing. There's a culture there to people who are really invested and understand what we're all about. People don't show up to DC Austin saying, 
cross their arms. All right, tell me what you got for me. You know, if that's your attitude, like what can these guys do for me? What can I get out of this? And just don't come. Like the whole point of the event is to show up and to contribute and to help other entrepreneurs along their journey. That's why those conversations are so memorable. If everybody's sitting there trying to figure out what they can get out of each other, like who wants to be at that party? That party sucks. That's part of why I do think like making it a little bit opaque and why we don't like have these really clear, come to the event and you're going to get this and you're going to experience your ROI guaranteed. You know, it's like, that's not going <laughs> to attract the right type of people, right type of entrepreneurs. Boss man, it's been a pleasure. You know what I'm going to do the rest of the day? I'm going to hang out in your house, man. I'm going to use all your stuff. I'm going to watch your Netflix. I'm going to use the ice maker on the fridge. There's so many fun things to do around here. I'm going to hang out in your camper. <laughs> Maybe take your motorcycle for a spin. It's going to be madness. So, <laughs> Have a good time and uh, pet the cat with your foot. That's almost it for this week. But before we go, we just got to give a big up to a few businesses without whom we just wouldn't be able to put on these awesome events. I want to give a shout out to our sponsors. An awesome sort of business idea on your part, Ian, was to start to include sponsorships into these events, which as many of the listeners know, events are very, very difficult to make profitable, particularly if you're not asking people to run to the back of the room with their credit cards, you know? And so sponsors has been a bit of a revolution for us. And the cool thing is, is that these companies are all sort of community companies. They're homegrown companies. If you give me a second, I just want to give them a quick shout. The first one is Sassicorn, which is SEO for SaaS software companies. This is a company founded by uh, SEO genius and many time TMBA podcast guest, Travis Jameson. He's long ran a firm called Supremacy SEO. Now, Sassicorn's vision is more focused on software companies, helping them achieve high growth through their marketing. And the thing about Travis is he doesn't just talk about it. He, he bees about it. It's interesting when we look around at investors in our space, Travis is always the one I come back to. Is like, man, this guy really knows how to grow businesses. Yeah, looking forward to seeing what Sassicorn becomes. I think it has some interesting potential. You know, I've kind of thought this before, Dan, but it seems like investing in businesses might not be enough in terms of helping them grow. But investing in businesses and like sprinkling on a little bit of Travis sauce, whether it be like SEO or some discrete skill that you have, I think that that's really a winning combination. Absolutely. Our next sponsor was the Empire Flippers. Many listeners are familiar. Now they're running one of the most popular platforms on the web to buy and sell businesses. And we've seen this story from day one emerging through the community. So many DC members have bought and sold and changed their lives on the Empire Flippers platform. So if you're looking to go business shopping or you want to see what your business may be worth, the Empire Flippers can help you out. Finally, revision legal. You know, what would you have given five years ago, Ian, for a cool law firm that understands internet businesses? Like these guys that run revision legal, they're part of the community. They are internet entrepreneurs, right? Like they speak our language. It's really a game changer to be able to speak with professionals, with lawyers with tons of experience that actually understand what you're talking about. I mean, I think for them to be effective at, at what they do, they have to fundamentally understand how these internet businesses operate. And these guys do. Engage with them early before you have a problem. It's the best time to engage with the lawyer. Have them understand your business and build a relationship. In fact, I'm wearing their t-shirt right now. Nice tea. It's a nice tea. Yeah, it's a great tea. I'd like to point out a bonus trend here. These sponsors are obviously doing really well in business. That's why they got some extra profitability to be able to sponsor an event like this, which is a very expensive proposition. But they're all services companies, products and services that help location independent businesses grow. They're focused on our community, which to me is, is the most exciting part of this, which is like there's a, so much opportunity by helping those in this community. Big shout to our three sponsors of DC, Austin. 
That's right. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of one of our events, just email us. There are actually a couple other sponsors. The sponsors that we mentioned on this podcast are platinum level sponsors, the highest level sponsors. There were some gold level sponsors as well. If you're interested in either tier, let us know and we will get you hooked up. Who should they email, boss man? They should email Catalina. Catalina at dynamitecircle.com. All right, cool. And final thing I'll say about that, Dan, it's really a two-way street. So for us, it helps us to have profitable events. And for these companies, I think it does help them to grow their businesses. And that's why many of them come back year after year to sponsor. All right, this one's going to be posted at tropicalmba.com slash reflections, DC Austin 2019. And as usual, we'll be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. But wait, there's more. Hang around after the bumper music for Shane Oliveira's from Entrepreneurs in Motion insightful take on this same event. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Entrepreneurs in Motion, Episode 108, Three Takeaways from the D.C. Austin Conference. Entrepreneurs in Motion is the show for people who are action takers, not excuse makers. If you're a location-independent entrepreneur who's actively working on growing your business, then this podcast is for you. We'll be talking business, growth, strategies, mindset, and breakthroughs that can help you take things to the next level. Are you one of us? Come join the conversation at entrepreneursinmotion.com. I just got back from a fantastic event called DC Austin, and in today's episode, I'm going to share with you three main takeaways or things that struck me at this conference. To give you a little bit of context, DC, or the Dynamite Circle, is a group of entrepreneurs that I've been a part of for the past several years. It's probably been about six or seven years now. And it has not only online discussion forums, which are great, but also quite a lot of in-person meetups. A number of them are organized by the members themselves, and then two major conferences per year, one in Austin and one in Bangkok. All the entrepreneurs in this group are established entrepreneurs, so no beginners. It's folks who already have experience running a business, and we're all invested in growing our businesses, designing our lives, optimizing business and life, health, etc. And folks in this community are also really generous and helpful and eager to help others build up their business as well. So it's a great group of people. And when you bring them together in a conference, amazing things happen. At the conference, there was a day of meetups, which were focused around different topics. I helped lead a meetup about sharing strategies for info product entrepreneurs together with my friend Gabby Wallace. And then there were also workshops, main stage talks, and small group masterminds. There was a lot I got from the conference, but in this episode, I'm going to share not so much specific business tips that I picked up for my own business. Maybe I'll do a future episode on that. Just let me know if you want to hear it, but more general uh, principles that are broadly useful to all entrepreneurs. The links and show notes for this one will be at entrepreneursinmotion.com slash Austin. Okay, so takeaway number one seems really obvious, but it's fascinating to see it in practice. And that is that different entrepreneurs have different strengths and weaknesses, sometimes independent of their stage of business. So what I mean by this is that what you consider easy 
or basic, or of course everyone can do that, might actually be someone else's biggest struggle. Let me give you an example. I mean, for me, I'm a prolific content producer. I can produce content all day long. I've produced over a thousand blog posts for my main business, uh, 500 plus YouTube videos, etc. That is my strength. It's easy for me. But it took me seven years to make my first hire. That was really hard. Whereas others have hired like three months into their business and then something else is difficult for them. Maybe they have a really hard time with um, organization or systems. Then you've got folks who are amazing with technology and marketing is kind of their kryptonite. And then you'll have another entrepreneur who is great at marketing, but terrible at numbers and the finances. So whether you're earlier in your entrepreneurial journey or whether you have more experience, Coming together with a group of other diverse entrepreneurs of various personalities and skill sets and experiences can be really cool because you can get some very powerful tips on what are your weak spots and your biggest struggles, and then you can help other people from your strengths. You might not think that you have anything to offer, but like I said, the things you take for granted because they're so easy and natural to you might be what someone else is really having a hard time with. And you can help get them to break that barrier uh, when you encounter them at an event like this. The second takeaway, somewhat similar, is that when you go to a big conference or event that's a couple of days really jam-packed with information and uh meetups and parties and socialization is that one nugget could make a huge difference in your business. So if you go into a conference expecting everything to be directly relevant and actionable for you, well, that's probably not going to happen. Just listen to some of the examples of topics that were covered in the workshops and the main stage talks. I'm just going to list a couple off the top of my head. There was hiring a CEO to remove yourself from the business dealing with entrepreneurial anxiety, optimizing for customer interaction, conversion and design teardowns of websites, how to have a drama-free business breakup with a long-term business partner, how to create real company values and put them into practice. And then there were really specific workshops on podcasting, on e-commerce, on SEO, on tips and tactics for live streaming, a really wide variety of topics. So not everything is going to be relevant or actionable for you, but there might be just one single idea. Maybe it's from a talk. Maybe it's from a more informal conversation you had over lunch or in the hallway. Just a one nugget that has a deep and transformative effect on your business. The example that comes to mind for me is from, oh, geez, seven years ago, uh, listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. That's the podcast by the guys who founded the DC, this entrepreneur community. They've produced hundreds of episodes, and I've been listening since 2012. But one anecdote, seven years ago, I don't even remember what episode it was in, one time when they talked about placing an ad for a product that didn't exist yet in some sort of trade magazine and actually getting their first customers, making their first sales before the product existed, that stuck in my mind and created a light bulb moment for me where I realized I could do that with my own courses. I could pre-sell them and then create them and deliver them after I had already uh, collected payment. And that is how I launched and validated every single one of my more than a dozen courses. So if you're at a conference or if you're reading a book or listening to a podcast and you're learning a whole bunch of things that not everything seems like it's super applicable, look for just a couple tips that will just jump out at you and will change the way you do business or will lead to some sort of breakthrough or mindset shift. That can make the whole thing worth it. It's actually kind of good that not everything in one of these conferences is immediately applicable to you because it can be kind of like a fire hose of information. So look for those nuggets that take uh, Take hold of you and can really transform your business or your life. Takeaway number three is don't underestimate the value of outside feedback on your business. So part of this conference was small group masterminds, where you are grouped with six other people who have something similar to you, whether in business model or industry or level of experience. 
And you go around the table, each person gets 25 minutes to briefly describe their biggest business challenge, and then everyone else, they're on the hot seat, and everyone else gives them uh, tips and suggestions uh, or asks probing questions. Now, I actually didn't have very high hopes going into my mastermind, not because of the other folks in the mastermind. They looked great, actually. They did a really, the conference organizers did a really good job of matching me up with um, people who are in similar business models. But the reason I didn't have high hopes was that, honestly, my business is going pretty well right now, and the I couldn't think of any major challenges. So the question I put to the table was this really vague one, which was basically, how else can I grow besides what I'm already doing? I was thinking I was just going to get some generic tips or that the discussion would go kind of nowhere. But once I put a couple strategies I was considering on the table... Seeing the other folks in my mastermind group react to those and then discuss them either clearly reinforced that idea or refined or improved the ideas or else brought things to light that showed downsides I hadn't thought of. When you do a mastermind like this, you're going to get a lot of suggestions. And of course, you're not going to implement all of them. Uh, some of them might be just off point. However, the discussion really led to a lot of clarity as well as several good ideas that I wouldn't have come up with on my own. So as solopreneurs, we often tend to be uh, DIYers. We tend to be independent and we tend to like to come up with the ideas and think about them on our own. But it's really extremely valuable to get external feedback from your peers, other entrepreneurs, preferably those who are in a similar niche or the same niche uh, because they really understand your market or those who are running a similar business model. So in my case, everyone at my table uh, ran an info product business through an online course or a membership site uh, delivering online courses. And so that harmony of business models allowed us to understand each other's businesses better and give more specific tips. Well, what if you don't know anyone else? What if you don't have other entrepreneurs in your industry or in your same business model or at a similar level to bounce ideas off of? Well, you can join a community. If you listen to my episode, I can't remember which number, but it's at entrepreneursemotion.com slash worth it. It's called R. Uh, entrepreneurial courses and communities worth paying for, I think. I talk about a couple different communities in there as well as my experience with them. And if you don't want to join a paid community, there are a number of Facebook groups as well. Or you could just reach out and connect with other founders. You're in your niche. You probably know who else is in your area or who else has a similar business to yours. So use their contact page. Look at their about page on the website, learn a little more about them, and then shoot them an email saying, Hey, would you like to get on a call and uh, we chat about our businesses? We could help each other out. One site where you can find a lot of cool in-depth interviews with entrepreneurs in various business models from software to courses to, I think there's some physical products people on there, um, is IndieHackers.com. Tons of interviews. They publish revenue numbers and that's a great place. I think there's also a discussion forum and a pretty robust comment section. So that's a good place to connect with other folks who are working on growing their businesses. So those were three main impressions I had after attending this conference. One, how different people have different strengths and what is easy and obvious for one person might be someone else's biggest struggle. So that's why it's great to help each other. Two, about how one or two nuggets in that huge gold mine of information can really make a big transformative difference for you and your business. And three, don't underestimate the value of outside feedback on your business. I was, I guess, maybe a little arrogant or a little, I'd forgotten how important it is to have other people's eyes on your uh, strategies and plans. And so I was pleasantly surprised uh, by my mastermind. A couple of other tidbits from this conference. I presented twice, actually. So once was co-leading that meetup about sharing strategies for info product business owners. And the other one was a workshop about how my business grew 20% while I barely worked on it, thanks to uh, the birth of my daughter last year, maternity leave, travel, and then very limited time. I had to really drill down to my business's essentials. And as a result, it actually grew more than the previous year. Both of my talks were very well received. I got lots of great comments on them. And I really enjoyed giving these presentations. I like addressing a small group. There were maybe um, 15 to 40 people in each workshop. That's kind of my comfort zone. I actually prefer that as opposed to main stage speaking. 
I think my presentations were pretty valuable, clear, and chock full of good info. The only thing I'd like to improve is that I felt a little bit rushed. I tend to pack a lot of info into my presentations, and then I feel like I need to uh, kind of speed through it so as not to run out of time. So I'd like to improve my pacing and delivery of my presentations. Maybe learn how to pause and let some of this info or the points that I'm making sink in for my audience. But I'm learning, I'm improving as I go. This was also my first solo trip with my daughter. I brought her with me and tried to keep her quiet during the conference sessions. During the times when I was presenting, I actually hired a babysitter so that she could play in the hotel room and she wouldn't be upset by the fact that mommy's up there presenting and not holding her. This trip was hard in some ways. Keeping her quiet uh, during the sessions was a little bit of a challenge, but she did great. Keeping her from wiggling off my lap on the airplane, even though she still flies for free, she's under two, I am leaning towards getting an extra seat for her next time because uh, it's just easier to have that break and get her off my lap and into her car seat. I'm so thankful that lots of people from the conference interacted with her, played with her, helped me when I needed a hand, like at the lunchtime buffets, and folks were just very welcoming. I wasn't really sure how it would go over having a small child at a business conference if people were going to kind of look down on it, but a lot of people said that she was a delight, and they were so glad to see me bringing my daughter to the conference and presenting and participating as much as I could. In the future, as my daughter grows up, I'll still bring her probably, but I'm guessing that as she starts learning to walk and run, she might not be so content to sit and play with the Starbucks cup like she did in a couple of the sessions. So in the future, I may use more babysitting or else uh, bring my husband or my parents or someone else who can come with me and maybe take her out, do some sightseeing, and they can have fun while I have fun nerding out on business. That's it for now. Thanks for joining me today. If you were also at DC Austin and you'd like to chime in with your experience, come on over and leave a comment, entrepreneursinmotion.com slash Austin. Hey, thanks for tuning in. If you are an entrepreneur in motion, I'd love to hear from you. So head over to entrepreneursinmotion.com and weigh in with your comments. Keep on hustling and I'll see you next week.